also at that point vintage drums become yeah. your thing yeah yes so from there on out do you do you other than rental kits tour kits do you buy any new drums or are you on the eternal search for like cool vintage shit from here on out i think i'm on the eternal search for drums that speak to me spiritually because uh, it doesn't matter if they're new or they're old i do love warm vintage drums i love super modern crate like yamahas and stuff i love those tones yeah. every one of them has their place but what i've come to at the age i'm at now is a mix of the two i love i, I always search out drums that sound warm have sustain and sound in tune with, with themselves like as a drum set as a whole you know, that, you know, certain drums, it's like you know, the Yamahas and stuff, you hear all the toms and then the kick is like subby and low, but it's like, sounds like different drum sets. You know, I like a cohesive one unit, Charlie Watts kind of thing, Stan Lynch, you know, like those kind of guys, like Bill Rudd from ACDC is that drum. One of my favorite drum sounds ever, by the way, I just have to say this, is Chuck Biscuits on the Danzig record. Like if you listen to Dirty Black Summer or like, oh, yeah. uh, <clears throat> uh, Twisted cane like that. Yep. that drum oh, set yeah. so compressed and, and amazing. Like it's Rick Rubin, of course, it's going to sound good. But yeah. um, I'm on the eternal search for tone. As guitar players like tone, I'm a tone drum chaser, you know? Yeah. And it's all I, about wood and bearing edges and all that stuff. You know? Absolutely. What are what are some of your favorite shops to hit when you're Dude. when you're running around when you're on tour let's shout out some of the some of the cool drum shops well my favorite all right here's my dudes here um forks drum closet in nashville is absolutely literally one of the greatest drum shops in the world not only because they have everything but it's one of those ones where you first go into you know you go to like a tattoo shop or like a bike shop or like those kind of places you're intimidated as hell because you got to just prove yourself to be cool you yep. know what I mean? you're like so you initially when i first went in there i was like oh man these guys are like that within five minutes it's like hey bud what you need what's your name what do you need it was the coolest thing so like james marshall philip uh joe and you know everybody at at forks love you shout out to you um yeah you ever get a chance to meet gary forkham i did of course man yeah, yeah well, I, met, I met gary when they um they just because they moved a few few years ago to a new spot, and I met right. Guy. They're next to Corner Music now, but yeah. they yeah when they had their old old yeah place. right on yeah. So I met yeah he's an awesome dude, and he'll he'll make you feel like you're in his house. Yeah, you know and those those are the kind of shops that I love. The yeah. other one here is Nelson Drum Shop, mm. um, and Bryson who owns who owns that is one of the sweetest, most amazing human beings you ever. He's like an elf. He's like a like a, a beautiful <laughs> elf elf drummer kid, you know. Um, and they're only specifically vintage, you know? So if you like want to go get the cool vintage stuff, you go there. I was in there the other day and I almost walked out with a double uh, bass Slingerland chrome kit. I was like, I think, ah, I, need this. Nice. I think I need this in my life. You know, Everybody um, needs a little Chris Daly in their life. Oh, uh, well, da you want to talk about Daly? Let's, I owe Daly. You know what? I owe a lot of my career to Chris Daly. I do. The reason Shout out Chris Daly. Daly, my man. Like, First of all, one of the, one of the uh, the drumming like not not just peers. One of the guys I looked up to more than any him Scott McPherson, Daly, uh, Eric from Avail. Those were my guys that like I was intimidated by and awe of and completely respected, but also felt like a peer. 
um, yeah, Daly. Love you, Daly. If you hear it, you know, my, my punk rock deadhead brother. Um, <laughs> but other drum shops, I mean, Pro Drum in Hollywood yeah. is, is amazing. Um, Sam Adato, it, it used to be in Frisco. And I think now maybe they're in Eugene, Oregon. That was one of those cool ones where you go and it's just like the dude has like, you know, random orphan drums and like weird, weird kits from the seventies and stuff like those. I love that drum shop a lot, you know? Yeah. But Steve, cool. Maxwell, Steve Maxwell in New York and Steve Maxwell. Now Shout out to Steve, Steve Maxwell. Love you, brother. And he, he actually owns Forks now. Yes, he does. Yes, yeah, he does. So, yeah. I, I always love going. And Terry Bissett, yes. who from Tama, Love Terry. We're bros, dude. Right. Like, so you know Terry. So Terry yeah. used to be a Sam, New York Sam Ash guy, then to Tama, yeah. then to Ludwig, then yeah. ran Forks Drum, or ran Steve Maxwell's uh, Empire in, yeah. for a while, and now he's he's back on the manufacturer's side. But Yeah. Yeah. Terry was down here at, at Forks for a minute, and he, every time I go in, he was just he was super kind. Just such a sweet soul, you know? Yeah. yeah. Terry Terry's a legend in the industry. Yeah, he's a, he's a good dude, man. And so is Steve Maxwell, man. Yeah, I gotta tell you, anybody that's got like a Buddy Rich kit, you know, a Roy Haynes kit. I mean, he's got them all, you know. Like respect to Steve Maxwell. Have you been to his Chicago pl- spot? I haven't. That's that's one that I haven't. That's one I really want to go to. You know. Yeah, reach out Chicago to him. Exchange is another one too. That's oh cool. yeah, Chicago Drum Exchange is just yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, but if you get a chance to get up to Chicago and. Yeah to see steve because steve's got like it's kind of like a mini mall and <laughs> and he's got like it's like old businesses but it's not set up as a drum shop like with a storefront okay. you go there and you're like you just go to like it was offices and he's got like just killer amazing that you're like i can't believe the world's yeah. not seeing this and he's got all these drum you know drum sets just set up in all these offices. Oh, i gotta go i gotta go there I mean, yeah. that's, those, those are candy shops for me man Absolutely. If you ever get a chance, by the way, also knowing your taste and style. um, Oh, God, I'm trying to think. So Resurrection Drum in Florida. Okay, I haven't been there. Very cool. It's also like an industrial park. And you're like, where is this taking me? And then you get there and and that place is just amazing. Revival Um, Drum Shop in Portland. I haven't been to either. I need to go there. That's the one. Right. Yeah, that's one that everyone's like, you gotta go there, dude. So, Absolutely. Shout out to Revival. <laughs> so moving on with your career a bit. Um yeah. uh uh Chamberlain takes a break. Yeah. Um, maybe not maybe didn't know it was a break at the time, but it was a break, and you guys yeah. eventually come back to make some amazing music. Uh our buddy, actually singer of a band that Dan and I played in. Uh, Craig Sirinelli was part of putting out that five-year diary record that you guys did with the live, the live record. Yeah. I was out of it by that point. I don't know any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great live record. uh, All the hits, actually a lot of the hits. Um, And then, so now you start going on new and original. Yeah. What a band. Well, I mean, all friends. So, which is awesome, but great freaking record thanks man that was a wild that was the god that you know that thing only lasted i mean as the i know that norm and jonah had been talking like a while prior to it happening so so i okay so 98 may or no may of 99 i leave chamberlain and i just was like i gotta get out of indiana so i moved to new york Mm -hmm. and 
the word gets out that I'm out of Chamberlain and I'm moving to New York and I get a call from Scott Weingart mm-hmm. from Texas a Reason. And he says, hey man, I'm uh, I'm jamming with Chris Trainer, who is in Helmet and Orange 9 Millimeter. And the way he said it, he goes, I was like, jamming i was like what, what he's like yeah we're just we're just jamming man i'm like okay he's like come down and come down and check it out so i go down to the lower east side on rivington and allen and they have this little space that uh sammy um from rival schools kind of it was his place and i go i'm sitting there i'm waiting and then scoots rolls up on his skateboard his hair is all long he's got bell bottoms on and i'm like scoots what's up dude and then He's like, yeah, Chris is going to be here. You know, it's like, I was expecting, all right, helmet, like, you know, the fucking helmet, you know, right. Chris is going to come in all tough, fucking, you know, whatever. Chris walks in, he's got super long hair, denim jacket, bell bottom. Looks like he's from the Black Crows. Dude, I instantly, just when they walked in, I was like, I'm in. I was like, I love this. I'm in, you know, whatever. <laughs> we jam. And we, now it's like, oh, now I see why you're saying you jam because it instantly is the Chemical Brothers meets the Almond Brothers. Mm. I mean, that's what that band was kind of like, right? So that what we called it the Americans because Scoots named it the Americans because it was, you know, it just fit. And um, we only were a band for like eight months and we did a tour opening for Jets to Brazil again, daily, hooking us yeah. up. Um, and one time where I remember we were in Denny's in Florida and the waitress came up. She goes, where the hell are y'all from? The 70s? Because <laughs> that's how we looked. <laughs> and that, like I said, Chemical Brothers meets Almond Brothers. And it was a total space jam stuff. I mean, we didn't have lyrics to some songs. We just were like, like a punk rock Grateful Dead kind of thing. And that kind of fell apart. A black flag. And, and, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. In a very different way. Though. In a very different way, but same vibe. Exactly. Punk rock played by a deadhead. Um, but we kind of fell apart. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go give California a shot. So I left and I went out to California. Oh, no, wait, hold on. I digress. I'm sorry. I started playing in a band called Champions of Sound with Sergio Vega from Quicksand. Um, So after the Americans, it was Sergio Vega, me, uh, Chris Trainer, and Chris Trainer's significant other, Sybil Buck. She played bass, Chris played guitar, Sergio played uh, bass or, or guitar and sang, and I played drums. Um, and then we had an MPC 2000 and blah, 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 blah. And so that kind of Something tells me Jimmy Williams was somewhere behind that MPC with- uh, uh, we, we, We're gonna have to do a, we're gonna have to do a whole subtext of Jimmy Williams, how I bought a drum set off Jimmy Williams. Hold on, we're gonna go there. That's amazing. Shout out to Jimmy Williams. <laughs> Shout out Jimmy Williams, you know? Like, all right, so maximum penalty in the house. Um, so. Uh, that kind of cha- champions of sound kind of ended. I went to LA. Um, but before we did that, we did one little mini tour in Europe in England. And I met Jonah because Jonah was opening up for us. And Jonah so and I was that him solo with an acoustic guitar solo. driving yeah. around Europe. Yeah. yeah. One of those things with this little R2D2, just him and you know, just us. And it was, I mean, it was a total hippie makeup, you know, it was, it was funny. It was a lot, you know, a lot of herb and seeing what happens. <laughs> but um, we, that kind of ended and I moved to LA or I moved to Huntington Beach, California and had really nothing going on. And then um, Jonah was like, hey, you want to come check out this thing? I'm doing this thing with Norm. And I was like, sure. So I went to meet with Jonah in Manhattan Beach and we talked about it and I was like, cool, let's try it. And then it kind of started bubbling 
And then I got a call from Scoots and he's like, dude, if you're doing it with Norm, I want to do it because they have their Texas connection. And, you know, he and I were bros from back in the day. And so we all did it and Scoots moved out. And then uh, we got an apartment together. And then in April, I want to say of 2001, we had our first rehearsal and we were like, shit, this is rad. This is totally like pop punk. And let's just do a pop punk band. And like it, it works. They were all Jonah's songs and we wrote a few together and it just was instant. And we're like, should we do it? Like, yeah. So then we went to Brian McTurnan's studio. Brian McTurnan recorded the, uh, he was from Play Guitar and Ashes. Yep. And he recorded the first <laughs> Texas Reason stuff. Uh, we went to his house in Maryland and busted out the record. And next thing you know, we were like, all right, let's do a tour. Jay Tree wanted to do it. Jay Tree gave us money. Uh, I didn't even have a drum set at the time. Tim Owen bought me a drum set. Thank you, Tim. Um, and then uh, next thing you know, we did a tour here, did a tour in Europe, came back, it got a little bigger here, got a little bigger there. And it was instantly, uh, we're like, oh shit, this is going to be big, you know? And it just, took over, it got too big too soon in a way. And then it just kind of fell apart on one of the tours one night. And we were only a band for like nine months. Yeah. And that's it. And then it ended. I think Norman and Jonah did it with a couple other people after Scott and I left for a minute, but yeah. that was a whirlwind of, a, I mean, it, it was like that, you know? Yeah. Starting, awesome. and, starting and ending faster than it could even exist. Really. It was crazy. Such oh, a good record, really. Thanks, man. As, as you said, it was such a short time. The record came yeah. out. I think by the time many people got turned on to it, the band was already defunct. We yeah. And I don't mean like years later. I mean like, oh, did you hear this new record? It came out earlier this year. And then we're yeah. like, shit, can I see him? No. Um, yeah. <laughs> so at that point, um, you're still living out on the West Coast. Yeah, I'm in Huntington Beach. Yeah. What's the next project? You after work that. on so yeah. after that, um, the whole thing kind of falls apart. I go back to Indiana for a little bit to my mom's just to kind of regroup and figure out what my next move is. And then I moved back to New York because it's my home base. I always am like, whenever anything happens, I go to New York. You know what I mean? It's just it's home, man. And yeah. so I went back to New York and um I was there for a minute. Uh, Sybil and Chris have a huge loft in Gowanus, uh, South Brooklyn. And I was just kind of chilling there, like figuring out what I was going to do. And I got a call from this Brazilian kid named Ricardo, um, who sang for a bunch of crazy Brazilian, ba amazing rapper, singer. He's, he's wild. He's not from earth. It's, he's a crazy, it's amazing. <laughs> um, he said he was starting a band with Vic from 108, Vic Takara and, uh, a bass player from Brazil and he called me he said Alan I wanted Alan Cage to do it um, but he's doing something else do you want to come and check it out I'll buy you a plane ticket come out so all right so I flew to Hollywood here I am back in California back you know New York or California so here I am back in LA and um, we rehearsed and it's we were going to call the band the missionaries of the love revolution and it was totally like I mean, it was like kind of Rage Against the Machine, like kind of like, you know, uh, heavy because of Vic. Um, it was like a heavy, like more like, a, I guess a Rage Against the Machine, but a little more groovy, and like a little more hippie version, I guess, in a way. Um, 
but that only lasts. And Jason Jordan was going to give us a, a, a deal with Hollywood Records, you know. But I, I personally was a little skeptical because of what happened to like into another, into another, you know. And I was like, I don't know, man. And like, it just kind of they wanted to do it, and I didn't want to do it. So I, I kind of said, all right, cool. We were all cool, all peace, you know, and that stuff. And then I got a call from Trainer to go back to New York because he was starting to work with Gavin because he had been uh, Chris had been in Bush. I think he joined in 2002. I think he joined 2002. So by the end of 2002, when I, this when I was living in Hollywood, he had called me and said, "Hey, I'm working with Cash from Rival Schools. They just did the, the Rival Schools record." Um, and uh, he called and said, "You would you be down to try this thing with Gavin?" And I was like, "Yeah." So I go back to New York, and that's that whole cycle starts. <laughs> Very cool. And yeah. that's that's huge because at that point, I think some of us have been, you know, we're we're sort of, uh, yeah. I was on tour with Shelter. Gavin kind of came on the tour a bunch. Got to meet him. Seems like a really nice guy. That's the sure. extent that I had of him. But yeah. for all of us to see guys like you and Chris playing with these markedly larger musicians and with these oh, yeah. huge opportunities. So when you're playing with Gavin, you guys played, you guys tour with U2? Yeah, we did 13 shows of direct support for U2. How insane <laughs> is that? It was wild, dude. I mean, it was literally exact, exactly everything you can think of. The, so first of all, Gavin with three New York not I'm not a New York hardcore dude, but I mean, let's say it's it's Gavin Rossdale from Bush with three punk rock New York kids. You know what I mean? And it's like we backed him up and it was a, a totally different vibe. Um, Paige from Helmet produced the record and it was to I, I didn't play on the record. I played on the demos, but I was again doing Champions of Sound with Sergio and Sybil at the time. So Josh Freeze played drums on the record. Of course um, he did. Of course, Josh. I mean, yes, let's just say shout out josh you're amazing um but uh so then then they wanted to start touring and then said they actually originally because i was working somewhere they had uh brit Br brett from slint come out, oh, yeah. and out which i thought was i was like oh that's gonna be amazing because i you know slint being from louisville indiana it's like the same thing i was like that's cool but it was i guess it didn't work so i was uh in champions of sound practice chris called me and said hey can you fly out now like right now and i was like get on a plane in an hour i was like okay so i flew out to la again <laughs> and i go rehearse and it was just it just worked you know what i mean because cash and i play like cash and i were like locked in chris and i were locked in like we just it just worked um so then that started and then we we're like all right here we go we're just we did one tour a club tour the first the first thing we did was a club tour and then uh, throughout that, we started getting, you know, we did Jay Leno, uh, Letterman, uh, Craig Ferguson, Carson Daly. I mean, we did the Tyra Banks show, man. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and she jammed with us on acoustic. It was really fun. She was very sweet. Um, uh, but then I remember one night we were at, uh, where were we, Niagara? Uh, I think we were hanging out at Niagara in Lurie Side. And Gavin looked at me and goes, hey, we're doing seven Bush shows or seven U2 shows. And I was just, it kind of, it was like, what, what, you know, are you serious? He goes, yeah. So we did those and it was, it was the first night they sent us a case of Guinness. 
bottle of Dom and they said, welcome to the tour. If there's anything you need, let us know. And they gave us their big screen. This was on the Vertigo tour and they gave us their big giant screens. And I remember walking to the stage, you walk underneath the stage and it's, you know, 22,000 people. And we did two, we did two nights a city, um, sold out, you know, each arena, the Enormo Dome or whatever it was. And I remember walking to the stage thinking, okay, this is obviously the biggest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and I, you walk in underneath the back of the stage or under the stage and their stage manager, Rocco, who is the bass player for Survivor, I believe, by the way, no, no big deal. Damn. Um, yeah. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He was the guy, he looked at us. He's like, all right, you guys ready? All right, cool. And he's on his headset. And he goes, all right, house lights and the house lights go down. And it was the first time where I had ever heard that sound, you know? And I looked up because each, you know, Chris and I went up this staircase, Cash and uh, Gavin went up that staircase to the stage. And I remember the house lights went down and I'm staring up at the crowd thinking to myself, that little section right there is the more people than I've ever played to, right? <laughs> and I'm just, the ha I'm kind of frozen and I just feel Chris's hand go on my back. He's like, go dude, we got to go. <laughs> I remember walking up and just kind of like, you know, like what <laughs> you know and just sitting down at my drums and the most humbling thing was no matter if i'm playing josh gerbell's basement back in the day or if shout i'm shout out josh josh gerbell shout out bro thank you if i'm not if i'm playing that basement or if i'm opening up for one of the biggest bands in rock history i have to do the same thing right i have to do the same thing i got to play my drums you know as scary as it was the second it was over i was just like Oh, that's kind of humbling because it's the same thing. Sure, that it sounds amazing. The crowd's incredible. It's the big show. It's the big time. Yeah. But at the same time, it's the same thing. So, but it, but so we did that seven shows, and then Gavin next like a couple weeks later was like, "Hey, we're doing six more," and I was like, "All right, right on." So <laughs> that yeah, that was that was huge, man. It was amazing. And Cash and I used to go ride our skateboards around the arena before. And one time, so whenever the U2 had come into the building, it was locked down. No one could move. You weren't allowed to move. You weren't allowed to do anything. It was mega, mega security. Cause you know, they're like politician level people, you know, mm -hmm. and they come in and they're, they're full escalades and everything security mega. And I didn't hear lockdown. So cash and I are just cruising around skateboards. I carve around this corner and all of a sudden there's Bono and his security guard, his security guard looks at me right in the eyes like, oh shit, I, I fucked up. And Bono just kind of gave me, you know, one of the little fist bump kind of things. And it was like, we're cool. He's like, yeah. So they were really sweet. And it was, it was one of the best experiences of my life, man. You know, that's awesome. I got, to, I got to really bro down with Sam, Larry's drum tech. And he actually let me borrow one of Larry's uh, snare drums for the show as a backup. And like, it, it was incredible. It was an amazing experience, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. It was I, I smile inside for you yeah, for thanks, that. Thanks. That's just so cool. And I'll tell you, bringing it back to my father and the Rogers kit, we played one show in Cleveland and my dad's mm -hmm. from Cleveland. And we had one pass between the whole band to share for a guest. That's just kind of the rules of that, that, that big of a show. And I asked the guys a week before I said, can I please bring my dad? Mm -hmm. So I, took my dad to the sound desk, the front of house sound. I gave him my pass and I said, I'll be back in 45 minutes. You know, for me, it was one of the coolest experiences of where my dad grew up 
bought the drum set before he went off to Okinawa during Vietnam to come back to play the arena that was down the street from the house that he grew up in, you know, to play drums for him basically that night. It was one of the, it, I'll never, it's one of the most important moments in my life. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that's a pretty amazing moment. Awesome. Yeah, yeah it was a solid cool. one. And of course, when I came back out afterwards, every security guard, everybody was like, oh, you're Charlie's son, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad knew everybody. And, all, you know, by the, by the time he left, they all loved him. And that's just, a <laughs> yeah. It so, was cool, man. I just, I, I had a quick question just because it was a thought with, with all that bouncing back and forth. Yeah. Moving New York, LA, New York, yeah. Indiana, New York, LA. Yeah. yeah. So at one point during, while you were, telling that that progression you yeah. mentioned that you didn't even have a kit yeah so you got rid of everything and then I, just went back from scratch i i do that constantly i still do that so one of my wow. things that i like to do in this life is is let go as much as possible and i didn't when i you know when i left new and original i left everything I, I, I didn't have any possessions. I literally had the clothes on my back and I went home to my mom so I could regroup and figure out what my next move was. But at that time I didn't, I didn't have drums. I didn't have, I didn't have anything. I didn't, I sold all my cymbals. I sold everything. And it wasn't to quit drums. It was to wipe the slate clean and start over, you know? Wow. Yeah. Which is something I just try to do that as much as possible. I don't own any split lip records. I don't own any Chamberlain records. All of because I've done I do a lot of charity work. So I like to put up auctions to kind of raise money for special charities. And I'll put drum stuff in there. I'll put records in there. I'll put old split lip t-shirts, Chamberlain shirts, or any. So I the only thing I have is like the reissue of Fate's Got a Driver that just came out, but I'm going to have everybody sign it and I'm going to uh, do an auction. I, I don't, I don't own any, I, I don't own any of my own music. You know, I, I'm down to one drum set and three snare drums and you know, that I will probably trade for another one at some point, you know, like I'm blessed to have these instruments, but I don't want to get attached to them because I want there. I'm not here forever. They might be, you know, so I want everybody to enjoy them as well. That's deep. Yeah. That is deep. Yeah. Good for you, man. That's that's awesome. Because I, I thank you. Because I did collect a lot of stuff for a long time, and it, it just ends up sitting there, and it makes me sad that it's not getting played. You know? Yeah. We we talk about that, and then, and then we ask guests. You know, could you ever just have one guitar again? Yeah. Could you ever go back to remember the days you had one guitar, yeah. you had one amp, no matter what style of music you played, yeah. no matter what song you played, you figured out how to make it work. Yeah. And I I can't do that. So yeah. I, can, <laughs> I have. It's hard. It's hard. I, I can't do that. Yeah, okay. My wife so would want me to learn from you <laughs> about letting go because I can't. It's hard, it's hard, but when you do, you realize that the flow of, of life, Lemmy from Motorhead, his goal was, I think he said, to be the rock in the river when let the water flow around you, you know, or mine is to be the water. You know, I want to go around everything because I want to take the path of least resistance, you know, and get to where I'm going as easily as I can. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're bogged down by how am I yeah. going to get this out there? How am I going to bring this with me? Yeah. You're you're diverging from the point. Yeah. And luckily, I mean, there are a few things that I am attached to 
spiritually like certain snare drums i have my noble and coolie that luke sent me I, I, that drum is my I, I love that drum um, my father's kit um you know those are the things that i just have that that ground me to my root of who i am but i don't miss anything there's there's no gear that i wish i had or anything like that really it's just you know like uh the jimmy williams drum ready here we go we'll bring it yeah back. when i was in institute with gavin rossdale right before i bought jimmy williams drum set that he had made by joe Cusadas at modern drum shop on 38th street mm -hmm. he had it made for him in 96 when i lived in with curtis on lispinard street at, right by broadway and canal in 97 i went to brownies to see jimmy williams play he was playing with the uh i don't know who she, i can't remember her name uh, the female artist he was playing yeah, with yeah, yeah. He, was yep. he was backstage setting up that kit and I remember being like, hey, dude, that kit's amazing. Fast forward to 2004, right before Institute, and I bought that kit from him. And that was my kit when I was with Gavin. And then That's I amazing. got to Nashville, and it's, uh, it donated to – it's a there's a church here that now has it. Oh, so there's, nice. kids, there's, there's kids learning how to play on that kit. That's awesome. Did you tell Jimmy that? No, I haven't. I haven't talked to Jimmy in a while, but you know, he. I'm sure he would be. He would love that. But there, yeah, he would. You know, there's. It's one of those things where those kids don't know what that what stages that kit was on, or you know, that all the TV shows or anything. To them, it's the kit where they're learning to play gospel chops and cool. You know, just playing with their church. You know, but it's a magical, very, very magical, beautiful drum set, uh -huh. and they get to experience what they want to experience on it now. You know, so yeah. That's awesome. That's and amazing. and let it be known to everybody out there. If you don't know who Jimmy Williams is, you look you can look up a brand a band like Maximum Penalty and um and and hear him saying and you're like, oh, okay, so heavy music, heavy like he is legitimately one of the best musicians, one of the best artistic minds that I personally know. Everything from hip hop and DJing yeah. and I mean the, the dude is a monster drummer on top yeah. of being a great singer you know it's funny my my wife has been to quite a number of hardcore shows and she's not in the hardcore scene and I was blessed she's straight edge and yeah. I'm, I'm blessed for me being straight edge meeting someone in my yeah, older awesome. age who's straight edge Absolutely. but it's funny I'll bring I, we brought her to uh, a and b you know a Super Bowl hardcore and out of all the bands that played that day, and some of those bands, like a sick of it all, like super impressive to watch. And she was like, who is that band? And it was Maximum Penalty, who she yeah, loved. Yeah. Because he's just got such soul with yeah. what he does. But I yeah. think that her favorite band that day, I think, was Absolution. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. There you I go. think personally that was her favorite band yeah. that day. Right, James? Right, because, yeah, absolutely. There you go. See, but yeah. because of Gingy, not sure. because of you. You're right. <laughs> oh man, oh uh, that's funny. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy's. There's very few musicians that can cross over all genres and do it a hundred percent. And he's one of the sweetest people you know. And that's the guy that'll take a bullet for you. And and you know, I, I let's put it this way. Uh, <laughs> I I got in a fight in 2005 and him and Gavin Van Black were like, they called me right away. I got jumped by three guys on the Lower East Side. I used to live on Ludlow and Stanton. Uh, and uh, they called the next day like, all right, yo, what's up? What are we doing? 
you know like <laughs> i was like nothing just let it rest you had to calm them down you know yeah because i was i was kickbox training with gavin at the time and uh those two oh, where yeah. were you training at at five points yeah yeah down down well, uh, down on it was at broadway at the time is that was that five points at yeah at, yeah 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 where the volcom store is now above where the volcom yes. store is yeah that's yeah i you know i, I was there every day literally. you were yeah i'm i was the only one-legged guy there so if you ever saw yeah. a one-legged guy that was me that, i did that was you that's me yeah yeah all that's right that's funny yeah. i had no idea you were there yeah None he whatsoever. was kicking my ass every morning <laughs> one of my favorite things the first day he puts on all his gear he goes all right kick me as hard as you can i'm like uh okay here's gavin van black the guy that when die 116 played with split lip he walked in with a marshall stack on each hand went to the stage and went took a deep breath and went boom and just put him up on the stage you know so there he is going kick me and i'm like i'd rather not <laughs> that's so cool this sounds like a trap yeah, I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, and then it clocked. I went flying across the room. Because welcome, welcome to Muay Thai. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's <laughs> how I, it's how I learned to keep my hands up. Yeah, right. It's true. <laughs> Just I being concerned, I was going to get hit by him. Exactly. Uh, oh, Shout cool. out to Gavin, former guest on the show. What uh, an amazing dude. What, what, and another another lovely soul. Like same with Jimmy. I mean, you got those guys that are old New Yorkers, the real deal, and they've seen some shit, you know, like, uh, Gavin told me that the six street squat at one point was just pit bulls and handguns and you got to do what you got to do. But like out of that, you know, you got to be a sweet human being if you go through that shit. And he's, he's one of the sweetest people I know. Yeah. Absolutely. Right so, amazing. Yeah. So, you, so you go from playing arenas yeah. with you two and yeah. I don't want my, my boys in Sam, I am to take offense to this. Then you end up in Sam, I am, which is, not not just not yet. immediately okay what's next so after that um i joined a band called oslo so oslo was uh there's the two guys in no doubt um the two dread dudes that have uh steven and yeah gabriel. steven and gabriel yeah gabriel plays gabriel plays gabriel mcnair steven bradley there you go those yeah. are my boys so gabe um through ian love yeah. of rival schools ian love said hey my friend gabe is looking for a drummer so i'm back out in la and i joined this band called oslo gabe played guitar and um the carrie who was in scapegoat wax played bass a singer named matia and a keyboard player named damon and it was totally like spacey english kind of brit pop oh wow i need to hear this yeah it was is awesome. it out yeah there's two records yeah Oslo, O-S-L-O. So, um, so after Institute, um, that ended in 2005. And I get a call from Kerry, their bass player. He's like, hey, man, I'm coming to New York. Let's go hang out. I want to talk to you. Because in 2003, right after New and Original, um, I, had gotten a, I had gotten a call. Uh, so, oh, no, that was that. OK, I digress again. After New and Original was when I got the call to do the first Oslo record. And um, I just did it. They just hired me, just did the record, wasn't in the band, quote unquote. And um, the second record, after after Institute ended, they said, hey, we're doing another record. You want to do it? And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So we went out and we did it with Ryan Hewitt, who's the Chili Peppers producer 
who lives here now in Nashville, actually, by the way. Um, so we did it with him and that's totally like space rock kind of spiritualized kind of stuff. But uh, the rec there's two records, one, first one's self-titled, second one is called The Rise and Fall of Love and Hate. And that one, that one's really cool. It's got some- Oh, cool I have to, I have to check these out. Right. By the way, those two guys yeah. were probably the two most fun people on that tour when when Shelter was out with with no doubt. Yeah. Just the they made everything fun. Yeah. They they I think you know at that point it was also a very special time sure. where the band was seeing this amazing success and everybody very humbly was enjoying this massive wave of fun. And, yeah. you know, that was the tour that, Oh shit, forget that venue. We've been upgraded to this venue because it's sold out so quick and don't yeah, speak yeah. goes number one and, and all that stuff's happening. And Gabriel and Steve, they just got on stage every night and had a blast. Yeah. Everybody yeah. had a blast, but those two guys had a blast, yeah. and it was they fun really to befriend them at that time. Yeah. That's a cool time to get to know them, man. Because I mean, like you said, you saw it. As same, I guess, probably as Nirvana or something, where it just happened and it just kept happening and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gabe. Gabe, man, is I I love Gabe. He's a, he's such a sweet soul, and and, and he went Steven. on to help. I think he was doing some touring with with uh, with Gwen when she did her yeah. solo stuff. When she yeah, yeah, so when she did her yeah, and that was kind of around the the Oslo time. So he was out doing stuff with her. Would come back and we would do the Oslo thing. He'd go back out with her, and then he did like the Tegan and Sarah thing. And now I think he's out doing stuff with. Um, sublime with rome i think he plays with them a little bit awesome um, yeah but he i think he lives in norway now he, he married lena a beautiful norwegian woman and they got two daughters and i think he lives there and i don't know if he teaches or does film scoring or what but i haven't talked to him in a while but oh that's yeah, awesome that, that band's cool you got to check that band out man that band was yeah, awesome we sure. did a, gonna we did a big tour of blue october in like two, uh, 2006 and that that was awesome they were they were great too Shout out, Blue October. <laughs> awesome. So, how do you end up playing with uh, with with Sergi and James? Oh, Sergi and Jason. At that point, James is out of the band. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, again, our our friend Chris Daly. So, um, <laughs> after so, I was in living in LA doing Oslo, and my wife was you know missing home, so she wanted to come back to New York again, ping ponging back to New York City. Um, the second I get back, I play, I get a gig playing for like a blues band just around the Lower East Side um, and then just kind of doing whatever's. And then uh, I'm outside Ludlow Guitars, which I was my hang forever. Uh, I daily calls me and he says, hey, I just got a call from Sergi and I can't do it because he's doing his, you know, he's cutting hair now and he's busy with his family and everything. And he's like, you want to do it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right. So give Sergi a call. I give Sergi a call. He says, all right, go over to Williamsburg and meet with Sean and Billy, the bass player and guitar player. And we go into a dingy basement below Mikey's hookups uh, store and, and, you know, mildewy flooded basement at the time. Mm -hmm. And we play like capsize and a couple other songs. And they're like, cool. You want to go on tour? I'm like, yeah. So like a couple weeks later, we went to Europe, you know, and then 
that happened. And then they said they wanted to make a new record. And so in April of 2011, we went to Green Day Studio in Oakland and recorded the record Trips. Yeah. Yeah. Very and good. Then we did uh, a live record for Side One Dummy called The Complete Control Sessions. Right. We did that. We did that in Hollywood at Swing House. And then we did a couple more tours. And I think the last tour I did with them was May of 2013. Oh, yeah. So I, good I, dudes. I, I did three years with Sam Am, you know? Yeah. Which is like dog years, right? That's like 30, yeah, yeah. 32 years. <laughs> right. No, up. those great, great dudes. I, years. <laughs> I don't think I appreciated the time that I had on the road with those guys. Uh, it was a, it was a weird time and, they were in a weird place and the record was blown up and we're on tour with Creed really weird tour yeah, to be I, on. I, I heard sto horror stories about that. Beep beeps told me, man, he was like, I think he got lack of better term. He got a staff infection or something like from somebody. And it was, he was like, dude, this, it was so gnarly. And Did like, he tell you about Bill McGaffey flipping his desk over in the office and throwing no. them out of their office? No, I may have to cut this story out. No, it was just, it was, it was an innocent, you know, this, I don't know if it was Sergi or Jason, somebody was doing an interview with a magazine and, and they were like, yeah, you know, we're glad to be on this Creed tour. It's a little weird. It's not really our crowd. I don't think they said anything out of line. Sure. But like then it got back to Creed's manager that like they, you know, they didn't appreciate being on this big tour or something to that effect. And right. Bill McGathy lost his shit. I'm so really? glad I didn't go to the office with them that day. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so during, okay, so before Institute, I used to do rooftop gardens as a job in the city to make money and i landscaped bill mcgathy's backyard in brooklyn isn't oh, that geez. funny right isn't that funny so and then uh because we he was interested in chamberlain back in the day nothing ever happened you know in rose and everything um and then uh when i was in institute the first show one of the show we played at irving plaza he's like outside trying to like you know woo us and say he wants to work with us and stuff and i'm like you know who i am he goes did you do my garden? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I can picture him walking in going, what do you guys have my garden here for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. So, um, okay. So that, so Oslo, Oslo ended. Um, and then that was, that was, oh, geez. After that, I did like a total heavy metal band called Bone after that. There was no recordings or anything. And that was a total, Dirtbag, Sunset Strip. I mean, like metal. You yeah. know, like, we're talking like Motley Crue and like Trickster. Yeah, metal. more more like John Karabi era of Motley. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like sure. like not cheesy Sunset Strip, like just kind of grimy. Yeah. Um, but we only we only did that for like a few months, and then uh, I left that, and then I did a band with Curtis, and so Curtis from Chamberlain, Juan from Brainiac. Um uh, Todd, who would play drums in Bullet LaVolta and play drums for Juliana Hatfield, mm -hmm. and another guitar player, Tim. Me, two bass players, two guitar players, one band. And that was called Model Actress, right? That's totally, it was insane. And we only played a handful of shows, but we opened for Mud Honey, Lemonheads, uh, Jesus Lizard. Like what we did was amazing. Yeah, like, no shit. Right? It was crazy. It was awesome. Total spastic 
I mean, controlled chaos from from the second it started to the end. It was it was super weird. It was basically two three piece bands put together, you know. Yeah. Um, so that that kind of that kind of ended, um, and then I went back to New York, and then that's when the Sam I Am thing happened. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> so I I can't let this end without talking a bit about the indie drum collective oh please and what you guys have been doing and so many of our other great friends are, are yeah. part of this yeah. so tell me a little bit about it okay. because it's it's a thing that's kind of not a thing but it's a thing okay is that that is probably the best way to put it <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is it's like this everybody in the collective calls it the cult because you're like what are we doing what is this you know um so that started during the pandemic, really. Um, again, I got a call from Chris Daly. He said, hey, my friend Aaron Tate, who is a drummer for Minus the Bear, um, he has an idea. Such a great band. Oh, yeah, I know. Totally a killer band. He, Aaron's such a sweetheart. And he's phenomenal. All these guys are phenomenal. I think there's like 180 guys in it now or something. And men oh, and women. And like, I mean, it's just monster players. Everybody, It's intimidating, actually. Everyone's so good. Um, so he called Chris Daly called me and said, Hey, do you want to do it? And we're doing this little thing just for fun, just to kind of, cause there's nobody can play shows nobody can record, you know, what do we do? We'll just like film ourselves doing covers. Let's just do fun covers. So I think the first one we did was the clash and there was like only five or six of us. And then it just snowballed. People started wanting to get into it and the other drummers. And then it just became this thing. And then Aaron's kind of, he, Aaron's the main, guy in charge you know he's the leader of the whole thing and he's like hey what do we do let's kind of start doing charity work let's see if we can play for charities let's see if we can just use our platform to do some good in the world which is totally my thing and that's i was all on board in that so every month we pick a charity and we pick a different theme we've done like 80s hair metal uh 70s punk new wave uh brit pop um i think we're, I don't know what the next thing is, but um, we're doing some really cool stuff. And it's just, it's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. You know, That is great. So well, how do you guys raise money and how can, how, can, how can people help? So you go to Indie Drummer Collective on the Instagram feeds. It's just Indie Drummer Collective. And every uh, there's links to every charity that we play for each month. And uh, we raise awareness and we ask people to each time we do a theme to donate. That's you know, awesome. yeah, the Bridge cool. Alliance for abortion rights, uh, animal rights. Uh, we've done domestic violence, I think. Um, we've done uh, LGBTQ rights. You know, we're just trying to make the world a better place through playing some drums, man. You and know? you guys do a hell of a job of it. I love watching some of these. Anybody as a fan of these bands, yeah. as a drummer, yeah, just as a musician to watch everybody play minus the bear songs right yeah everybody play texas is the reason songs which was one of the best ones in my opinion that was yeah great. it was it was wow. awesome it was, was cool. it was i'm sorry good when, when we pick a theme where we do one band you know not like 70s punk or new wave or what when we do one band because each time we, each month we'll do a theme and then we'll do a tribute to a band or a record when we did the texas one you know not just being a, a fan but being like well this is deeper for me because like garrett lived with david from split lip in indianapolis and like it, it's like a your brother thing yeah so we it's said, family it, it is family man and so we said 
you know, everyone wanted to do that record. And I instantly thought of the song that didn't have drums on it because I think it's just like a little interlude in between. And I was like, hold on, this is my chance to like do something that hasn't been done, you know, and like I can kind of artistically create something that wasn't there before and like see see how it turns out, you know, so that that one was really fun for me. And I enjoyed that because when you watch these, you can't really take artistic license because you're literally playing drums over another drummer's track. Maybe you can get a little fancy with it. Maybe you can approach it differently. Um, I think Chris Enriquez maybe played his track a little like the minus the bear track a little bit different than. Yeah, he did. But um, you had what's that? Shout out to Chris Enriquez. <laughs> Shout out to Chris Enriquez. I'll let him know he's mentioned on this one. Um, but you being able to go, you know what? Here we go. I get to yeah. play something. I get to imagineer the yeah, song yeah. a little bit. Was yeah, pretty man. awesome. Yeah, thank you, man. And that's I, those are my favorite ones. I, I actually did think we, we did do a theme songs without drums to see what everybody would do. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying the cool part about kind of having to learn especially guitar parts you can kind of embellish and do cool stuff vocally you can do cool stuff drumming you kind of have to do what the drummer does or else it's going to sound flubby and get all flammy and not sound good but the coolest part about that is to watch what everybody does you can put 40 drummers in a room and have them play the same beat every single person is going to play it differently but to watch how people artistically have their take on trying to play the same part is awesome yeah it is so cool to, it's so cool to watch you know it's some, a, it's a whole thing some of the things that aaron does um i'm a big minus the bear f- it's weird to say fan because i mean they're like you know they're guys just like us but i love the band my 10 year old loves that band really oh my god and we get in the car it's either dad put on rage against the machine or dad put on minus the bear and he knows all the words what? and which is kind of weird when he's singing in the mirror and you're yeah. kind of like, yeah, I'm glad yeah. you don't know what this is. Right. <laughs> but I'll go down and I'll throw on the live, that last farewell live record. And yeah. I'll just go, you know what? I'm going to play this to the best of my ability just to get a workout in. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cause I'm not a great drummer and Dan will attest to that. Yeah. And there are certain things that I know he's playing with one hand yeah. that I'll have to figure out how to play them with two hands, like on the hi-hat. So there, yeah. there's ways to interpret and and kind of do some some fun things. But, I mean, you guys, those were my favorites. The, 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 uh, the Minus the Bear ones were. were oh, that's so cool, man. That's so cool. So I'm right glad on. we had a platform to talk about that a bit because I, I think it's one of, one of the most fun things I follow on Instagram. Oh, that's cool. I, I, I love being a – I'm very grateful to be a part of it, you know. I'm very grateful for that. So what are you doing these days? I am <laughs> um, looking to do something new. Um, Chamberlain is kind of, we're not done. We're never done, you know You know what I mean? But I think the last little run we did and the last record, we kind of felt like it was a nice, not an end cap, but we kind of were like, you know what? We're at an age where I think David's going back to get his master's now in literature. Curtis is raising a family. Adam's ra- everyone's raising families, doing new things. I'm the only one without children. Um, 
but I've been doing some. I did a. Just say Clay's name again because he always gets left out when you. you know what? Okay. Not I'll, just I'll, you. Okay. Everyone. Let me tell you this. Uh, the only reason why you're talking to me, I'm talking to you guys, is because of Clay. You want to know why? Why? The only reason why Clay, the split lip happened was because of Clay. The only reason why anybody in split lip is there is because of Clay. Clay in 1989 uh we'll say quote unquote borrowed a microphone from a, a skating rink uh clay is a hockey player and so he borrowed a microphone and wanted to start a band and the reason why split lip started was because clay, clay borrowed that microphone and curtis got a bass and then they got a singer named steve and then they found me and then blah 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 the rest is history ah, but, shout out to clay shout out to clay snyder Clay Snyder is the reason why I'm here, you know? So I, and I love, and one of the sweetest human beings you will ever meet in your life, you know? Very nice. So shout out to Clay. Shout out to Clay. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're in, you're in Nashville. Are you working in Nashville? Are you doing I, I, like studio work or? I do. I do occasionally. It's more, it's more punk rock. Like I just did a session for Nathan Gray from Boy Sets Fire um, for his band, The Iron Roses. Um but more of the stuff, I'm doing more stuff like that. I don't do country sessions and stuff because Nashville is like a mafia, dude. It's like you're in if you know this guy and you know this. And once those guys have their get, there's like 10 dudes here, 10 bass players, 10 guitar players, 10, 10 singers. They, they're all, they're locked in. They they do the sessions, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but And then there's a million other people that do whatever it's i mean uh, every guitar player on broadway downtown is the greatest guitar player you will ever see in your life and there are a dozen um but right now musically and i'll say it here first you get an exclusive um i want to do something really heavy you know i'm looking so if anybody's out there that wants uh to do something heavy hit me up there we go invitation invitation charlie walker would like to play in your heavy band How's that? Very nice. <laughs> Dan, final question. Well, my final I, this one's <laughs> going to be a tough one this time. My my final question is always the same. Mm -hmm. Uh but th this time the answer might just be that you don't care because you don't need anything. Uh so desert island gear. Yes. What would you take with you? If you're stuck on a desert island, you know, normally we do three pieces of gear, but it doesn't really apply with a drum kit. But yes, so it does. Drum kit would. Want to know? You know what? Want to know my three pieces of gear? Let's hear it. I'll say four. Four would be peace of mind. That would be my number one thing on my desert island. If I had a calm peace of mind, that would be my greatest asset. As far as drum gear goes, I would take a kick drum, a snare drum, and a hi hat. Which one? Oh shit. Yeah, that's, that's this why it makes it difficult. <laughs> you can't just say I'm bringing a guitar, right? Um, okay, so which 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 piece? Okay, which kick drum? Which snare drum? Okay, what set of hi hats? All right, I will give you a hi hat stand for free. Okay, it's I was going to say well, I, can, yeah, I could I could whittle one out of sticks and something. You know, I can make. One Gilligan did it. You can do coconuts it. coconuts and sticks. <laughs> you're fine. You're you remember fine. they played that band? Yeah, they, I do. the band that got up. They were on the island and suddenly they disappeared. Dude, I was a latchkey kid. I grew up on Gilligan's Island. Man. <laughs> I remember all that. Um, all right. So I would take uh I would take my Gretsch Brooklyn bass drum. Oh, that's a nice one. 
I would take my Noble and Cooley aluminum alloy snare, and I would take my Sabian Paragon hi-hats. You play Paragons. I and like this. Yeah, shout out to Chris Stanky. I've been with Sabian since 2006. Um, but yeah, I, I, Paragons are my jam. Absolutely. That's actually why I'm with Sabian. So I played two shows in Helmet. I, I, Johnny Tempesta left to do The Cult. Mm -hmm. And uh, they they played South by Southwest in 2006. And I and Trainer, he was playing bass. Somebody else was playing guitar and he said, Hey, can you do these two shows with us? I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. So went down and I got to play the two loudest shows that I've ever played in my life with helmet. Um, and we, uh, we're playing and I met, um, seven Ananopolis who played for opiate for the masses. Yep. Like you don't have a symbol deal. I have no way. He goes, come here. And he introduced me to Bill Zildjian and, and Chris Stanky from Sabian. And I told him, I said, hey, I broke the symbol on tour. I've been a Zildjian guy my whole life. Uh, and I just had to buy this Sabian 20-inch Paragon Crash. It's my favorite symbol ever. But I played Zildjian my whole life. I don't know what to do. Chris put his arm on my on my shoulder and he said, so did Neil. And now he's with Sabian. And I go, okay. He goes, you want to be on the team? And I'm like, yes. And so I've been with Sabian ever since. So I would, Great take, my, people. I would take my Paragon hi-hats, my Noble and Cooley snare, and my Gretsch Brooklyn kick drum. That'd nice. be my island. So yeah. have you ever been to the factory in Meductic, Canada? I have not yet. And I've been invited and I need to go. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Because you're going to have a blast. It's it's an amazing, it's amazingly unimpressive outside. It's just weird. It's like this big building and it's on this beautiful river. Yeah. And um you go in and just this what they do in there is yeah. insane and you can hand hammer you can hand lathe everything yeah. they'll they'll be like great yeah here's the tools go for it um but the best place make sure he brings you to the vault yeah i i i know i need to meet mark love oh I, yeah i need to go to the vault it's like i know Oh man! Now you got, so, you got hyped up, James. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out to someone I just had dinner with tonight, who I now work with, but her name is Terry Shaw, okay. and Terry was responsible for North American sales when my company was the distributor for Sabian, and she and I have been working together now for ten years. But okay. now she works for my company. She had left Sabian, but okay. I have been up to that factory a dozen times and wow. mark love and those guys are they you are gonna feel literally because um uh because the factory is right next to all of their homes right. you will literally feel like like your home with the family there and um yeah, yeah. okay you're gonna love this <laughs> do it do okay it. i will i will i plan on it all right well man it's so great to see your face again it's been oh, so long you. yes i know man we need to see each other more often and i like right. i said we're, we're making our way back east so we will we will be hanging a lot more you know yeah when you hit new york hit me up we'll figure it out you know yeah. I, I got together with adam last month you know okay. for a, a random show and we met up and it was so good to see each other we'll do the same when you come back up or if i get to nashville before you leave right on man right on that sounds like a plan yeah very good thanks a lot man of course thanks for Have being on one. of course thank you for having me <laughs>